Welcome to our podcast today on A Course in Miracles. Today is Lesson 71. Only God's plan for salvation will work. That's a pretty unequivocal statement, mm-hmm. huh? You may not realize that the ego has set up a plan for salvation in opposition to God's. It is this plan in which you believe. Since it is the opposite of God's, you also believe that to accept God's plan in place of the ego's is to be damned. This sounds preposterous, of course, yet after we have considered just what the ego's plan is, perhaps you will realize that However preposterous it may be, you do believe in it. The ego's plan for salvation centers around holding grievances. It maintains that if someone else spoke or acted differently, if some external circumstance or event were changed, you would be saved. Thus, the source of salvation is constantly perceived as outside yourself. Each grievance you hold is a declaration and an assertion in which you believe that says, if this were different, I would be saved. The change of mind necessary for salvation is thus demanded of everyone and everything except yourself. The role assigned to your own mind in this plan, then, is simply to to determine what, other than itself, must change if you are to be saved. According to this insane plan, any perceived source of salvation is acceptable provided that it will not work. This ensures the fruitless search will continue, for the illusion persists that, although this hope has always failed, there is still grounds for hope in other places and in other things. Another person will yet serve better. Another situation will yet offer success. Such is the ego's plan for your salvation. Surely you can see how it is in strict accord with the ego's basic doctrine. Seek, but do not find. For what could more surely guarantee that you will not find salvation than to channelize all your efforts in search for it where it is not. God's plan for salvation works simply because, by following his direction, you seek for salvation where it is. But if you are to succeed as God promises you will, you will be willing you must be willing to seek there only, otherwise your purpose is divided and you will attempt to follow two plans for salvation that are diametrically opposed in all ways. The result can only bring confusion, misery, and a deep sense of failure and despair. Well, what do you think of that, Sandra Ray? Well, yeah, when you were talking, I was thinking about people seek salvation in relationships that don't work. Well, this notion that if something outside changed, mm-hmm. I will be saved. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's what it's saying the ego's plan is. The ego is always searching for a solution outside itself. And having a grievance towards something external. And then saying, well, if this thing outside of me changed, I'll be saved. So the ego doesn't change itself. And then the other thing is it seeks making sure that it doesn't find mm-hmm. what it seeks. You know, it, it, it seeks for peace and doesn't find peace. It seeks for satisfaction and doesn't find satisfaction. So it's a setup to fail. <laughs> yeah, right. How can you escape all this? Very simply, the idea for today is the answer. Only God's plan for salvation will work. There can be no real conflict about this because there is no possible alternative to God's plan that will save you. His is the only plan that is certain in its outcome. His is the only plan that must succeed. Let us practice recognizing this certainty today and let us rejoice that there is an answer to what seems to be a conflict with no resolution possible. All things are possible to God. Salvation must be yours because of his plan which cannot fail. Begin the two longer practice periods for today by thinking about today's idea and realizing that it contains two parts, each making equal contribution to the whole. God's plan for your salvation will work, and other plans will not. Do not allow yourself to be depressed or angry about the second part. It is inherent in the first, and in the first is your full release from all your own insane attempts and mad proposals to free yourself. They have led to depression and anger, but God's plan will succeed. It will lead to release and joy. Remembering this, let us devote the remainder of the extended practice periods to asking God to reveal his plan to us. Ask him very specifically, What would you have me do? Where would you have me go? What would you have me say and to whom? Give him full charge of the rest of the practice period and let him tell you what needs to be done by you in his plan for your salvation. He will answer in proportion to your willingness to hear his voice. Refuse not to hear. The very fact that you are doing the exercises proves that you have some willingness to listen. This is enough to establish your claim to God's answer. Well, these questions, I think um, this is a very uh, key point in A Course in Miracles, this asking, uh, asking the Holy Spirit what it, 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 what it is you're to do. And, I mean, this isn't just for this lesson. This is for you know, our daily life. What would you have me do? Where would you have me go? What would you have me say and to whom? I mean, that's like saying, well, I need guidance, right? 
It doesn't really tell you what God's plan is, though, does it? Well, the and the asking is the plan. Yeah. The plan is to ask. Mm. You know, later on, uh, there's a section in the text where it says um, the rules for decision. And then it says, I will make no decision by myself today. Well, that's kind of exemplified in these questions. What would you have me do? Where would you have me go? What would you have me say and to whom? I mean, I think we, I think we applied that yesterday. You know, we had a meeting with the uh, front office manager, the main manager, mm-hmm. about our situation next door with the noisy neighbor. And I think we didn't really have an agenda other than we wanted to meet and kind of get to know him and make sure that they knew the status quo next door. Mm -hmm. So we had no agenda and we went over and we met the guy and he was very receptive and very nice to us. And then we found out that the neighbor had gone there and got very angry with someone else in the management team. And so they saw firsthand what we were dealing with. Mm -hmm. And they took an action and sent him a legal letter and so forth. So I think we were guided. First of all, we were guided to go there and have another meeting. Mm -hmm. And then when we got there, to our surprise, it's almost like they already knew what we were dealing with because he had kind of directed his rage towards them as well. And he even said that the manager even said that the, the neighbor had been putting out uh, detrimental things on these uh, sites that rate uh, apartments and rate buildings. And so he already knew that this, uh, this guy next door was a bit off. And I really felt supported by, mm-hmm. by the meeting. And we sort of didn't know what was going to happen. And I think we were applying this, what would you have me do, where would you have me go, and what would you have me say, and to whom? Well, we were directed to go talk to the manager. So I, I think we were applying this. And turning it over, turning the situation over to the authorities of the building. So um, I think this is what this lesson is asking us to do, is turning over our life to the authority of our life, which would be God, you know. What would you have me do? Where would you have me go? What would you have me say and to whom? Well, I think we were guided to go there and talk to the manager and say what we said. And I think we were applying this lesson in that situation. Now, could you say, well, we think salvation is whether our our neighbor changes his behavior or not. So, in this case, I because it's an extreme case, um, that's what we're lobbying for, but... Uh, is our real peace of mind 
the deeper peace of mind affected by the neighbor. Yes, we can't sleep in our own bedroom when he's playing music, right? But what is our deeper mind? What is our deeper peace of mind? How would you answer that? Well, I'm trying to get your point about applying salvation to this incident. I'm having a little trouble of connecting the two. Maybe you could help me with that. With the neighbor, you mean? Yeah. How does our quest for salvation apply to that situation? Yeah. Is my question. Well, um, we do have a grievance in that we don't like him playing right, music. Right, but then what is salvation is being free from all grievances? Is that the point you're making? Well, I'm I'm doing what you usually do and play the devil's advocate. So I'm mm-hmm. saying we have a difficult situation. Yeah. And we want to be able to sleep in our own bedroom right. at night. And any normal person would want that. Right, but how are you connecting that situation to our quest for salvation is what I'm not getting. Well, I, I know. Well, that's why we're exploring it. Because how can you uh, sort of lobby for a change, which would be peaceful enjoyment of our own apartment, which is, you know, the rules of the lease. It's the conditions in the lease. So we're lobbying with the management for the peaceful enjoyment of our, you know, our own residence. And at the same time, we're asking for the neighbor to make a change in his behavior. I know that, but... But but then now, the the additional thing is we're not judging him as a human being. We're not saying he's a bad human being or he's an evil human being. I mean, he's a bit misguided, in my opinion. But I think we have to be careful that we're not condemning him uh, as a person. I mean, he has a right to his enjoyment, but when it impairs ours, he's breaking the lease. And uh, I think we're uh, clear about that. No, I know all that, but I'm trying to get you to state the exact connection of that incident, that situation, to the lesson of salvation. Yeah, I know. And I'm not getting how you're doing that. Well... We're asking for him to stop being noisy. I know, but how is that related to salvation? That's what I'm asking you. That's what this lesson is about. Yes, I know. And salvation is... Salvation is, I think in this case... Release from your ego. But it's also standing up for ourselves in this situation that something as basic as being able to sleep in your own bedroom at night without Mm -hmm. noise is our right. 
Right, I understand that, but Marcus, the definition of salvation and that incident, I want to put them together. Okay, how would you define That's it? That's what I'm saying. Well, I'm asking you, how would you define it? <laughs> I'm asking you. So I'm, salvation is, obviously, we, we learned yesterday, it's a release from your ego, but it's also a release from all your illnesses and everything. Okay? Yeah, and all your problems. So it's, I guess, salvation is peace. That's how you're making the connection. Salvation would be peace. Yeah, yes. so you're saying we want peace. So we're really asking for salvation when we ask for peace. Is that the point you're making? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... And it may require a behavior modification on our neighbor's part. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's just important to, to get across to people that are listening that when you ask for peace, you're asking for salvation. Yes. That's the point we're making. Right. And then we have to apply this right here. Well, what do you have me? What would you have me do? Where would you have me go? What would you have me say? And to mm-hmm, whom? Mm-hmm. That was acted out yesterday yeah. when we were guided to go talk to the manager. Right. So then we we were we were actually going with the intention of peace and salvation. I think so. Mm-hmm. And we weren't condemning the neighbor, just saying, mm-hmm. you know, we deserve peace. Mm-hmm. And Well, let's read on. Give him full charge of the rest of the practice period and let him tell you what needs to be done by you in his plan for your salvation. Well, in this case, it was go to the management and state your case and just stick with the facts. He will answer in proportion to your willingness to hear his voice. Refuse not to hear. The very fact that you are doing the exercise proves that you have some willingness to listen. This is enough to establish your claim to God's answer. Well, I think also in that exchange we had yesterday, I really felt that the management was taking responsibility and they were doing something on our behalf to correct the situation. Yeah. So it kind of took it out of our hands and put it in their hands, which is where it should be. I mean, and that's what this lesson is saying. It's saying you don't know what, what the solution is. But when you put it in God's realm of a solution, you know, you're asking God, what would you have me do? Where would you have me go? What would you have me say? So you're kind of asking God for the solution. And I felt that in some way we were doing that yesterday. And we were including the management. And the management was very receptive. And... From what I could tell, they were going to do everything in their power to remedy the situation, mm-hmm. including uh, legal action. I mean, they've already sent the neighbor a letter, a legal letter, saying, you know, desist from this noise. Mm-hmm. So I really feel that we're moving forward in the spirit of this lesson. In the shorter practice periods, tell yourself often that God's plan for salvation and only his will work. Be alert to all temptation to hold grievances today and respond to them with this form of today's idea. 
Holding grievances is the opposite of God's plan for salvation, and only His plan will work. Try to remember today some six or seven times an hour. Well, six or seven times an hour, that's like every ten minutes. Mm -hmm. There would be no better way to spend a half a minute or less than to remember the source of your salvation and to see it where it is. Uh, every hour we're supposed to be thinking what? Only God's plan for salvation mm-hmm. will work. Mm-hmm. Where would you have me go? What would you have me do? And what would you have me say and to whom? Mm-hmm. And holding grievances is the opposite of God's plan mm-hmm. for salvation and only his plan will work. Yeah, I, I think we've been careful not to have a grievance against him as a person. We just we just have a, a grievance about the situation, which is not right. So I feel we've been okay with that. We're not. Yeah, and since we've been back for two nights, there's been no noise mm-hmm. at night. So maybe the situation is remedied. We'll see. Today's Saturday. That's usually when it happens. Yeah. Okay, so I think only God's plan for salvation will work. Our plan is doomed to fail because it's seek and never find the answer. Yeah. Well, in this asking, I think this asking is... uh, something we have to get in the habit of doing, we may not be in the habit of of doing that, asking, what would you have me do? Where would you have me go? What would you have me say and to whom? I mean, that's really what we need to practice, is asking the Holy Spirit to direct our daily life. Mm. And we can kind of assume we know what we're doing. In many cases, we, we're we doing our routine, you know what I mean? Things we've done before. But I think we also have to ask these questions because there may be some direction where to take that we haven't thought of. Mm-hmm. And how do you find that? How do you pull that out of the unknown unless you're asking the unknown and I think that that's that's equally important in this in this lesson only God's plan for salvation will work and then part of finding that plan is asking what it is yeah (laughs) you know and not assuming you know and I, I I think that's a really strong point especially of this lesson Okay, kids. And Thank and you. then the other thing about remembering so frequently, like every 10 minutes. Shall we set the the timer today? Uh, to well, at least off? every hour, once an hour, I think. Well, it did say six to seven times an hour. It says that right in there. So how frequently will we remember to ask is the question. All right, thank you everyone.